welcome to the Guitar Omni Podcast. I'm Carl Woolwind of Columbus Classical Guitar. Each episode, we'll chat with a featured guest from the classical guitar world. Candid conversations, unique experiences, and career observations from the people who best know the guitar. This is your master class in life and the guitar. For more information and past episodes, please visit columbusclassicalguitar.com or see Carl Woolwind Guitarist on Facebook. I'm here with Doug James, Dr. Doug James, who is the uh, professor of guitar at Appalachian State University in Boone, North Carolina. Doug, how are you? Doing great, Carl. How are you? I'm, I'm good. It's good to see you. It's been a, been a little while. So. It has been. Um, how, how, how are things going at, at Appala- Appalachian State? What's, what's it like there now? Wow, that's a, that's a broad question. Well, <laughs> they're fine. Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, school's out uh, at the moment, and uh, I was just at the uh, Special Collections unit of the library yesterday with uh, Adam Kostler. Oh, Adam cool. Yeah. Boy, looking at uh, very, you know, wonderful, rare guitar stuff that we acquired from the Ofake Collection. Yeah. Well, we acquired the Ofake Collection back in the summer, so... Uh, you know, we that that's a continuing source of fun and amazement. Yeah, is is that's that's all getting cataloged and whatnot. And yes, we're you know plowing away at it. And uh, for those of your listeners that don't know just how big that collection is, you know, it's it's uh, it's easily the biggest. It was the biggest private collection in North America of nineteenth-century guitar music. Yeah, and uh, it we don't really know, but I mean, it could be one of the biggest collections of original, you know, editions in the world, and uh, it has quite a few extremely rare items, and uh, they're working on it, you know, it's a process, but uh, they're very good people at Special Collections, and they do it right, and they do it carefully, and uh, it'll all be well-preserved for the future. Yeah, that's that's amazing. So how how did did that happen, that that, that it ended up going to to Appalachian State? It's really a great story. Um, it all came about, it, it was a it was sort of a perfect storm of unique circumstances that it, it just fell, it, the possibility came up at just the right moment. Uh, not to, to bore everybody with the, you know, <laughs> the workings of academia, but essentially uh, our uh, music librarian, Dr. Gary Boy yes. is a guitarist, yes. and he's been music librarian for us at the Hay School of Music for many, many years. And he is—he is a the work he has done is such an important resource. It's amazing. Oh like, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's the guy, and he's so well informed. And and he um, goes to library conventions, and at library conventions, Lubrano's Music Antiquities dealers always have a table set up with, you know, their newest things that librarians might be interested in. Gary's always been interested in the guitar things that they have and had made purchases for himself in the past. So when they, Lubrano's came to have the collection and was about to market it, they contacted Gary and said, would you guys be interested before we really publicize it? And if you give us our asking price, it's yours. And so because it was the end of the fiscal year and because I was able to push and shove and cajole and elbow and, you know, <laughs> people on the back a little bit. And the uh, acting dean of libraries at the time is also a guitarist. And at, in oh the fiscal gosh. year, there's unspent money that if it isn't spent, it goes back to the state. Right. So he just gathered all the pots of money 
and came up with the cash and, and we got the School of Music to put a little skin in the game as well. And the next thing you know, about six weeks later, later we have literally 3,000 pounds of music coming in on a truck wow. and arriving at the university. And so we're still dealing with it and it'll take a while. Sure. Each item has to be cataloged, bound, you know, or right. put into special collections and the stuff that they do that keeps it uh, uh, well-preserved. Right. So it's a really, really big and ongoing process, but boy, what an exciting. Yeah. Oh, uh, unbelievable. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it, as you know, like, in, you know, I'm in Columbus. Matanio was, was here in Columbus. I, I did, did a bit of work for him and he, I, he was a very dear friend of mine and in his house all the time. And, you know, I mean, I knew what was there and but it's 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 a strange thing when it's just your your friend and you go to his house and I mean it's amazing, but it to, I had no idea. I mean I had no idea the the scope of it, the magnitude of it. I just thought you know he's he's got some cool stuff over in this closet over here and like let's look at this and he you know and such a storyteller he's you know he always had great stories about you know how he found this or where this came from and oh you have to see this and I was like you know it was just always a joy to go over there. But I like to think of it as all being like this magnificent, huge, giant collection all at once, you know, I never really saw it that way. And, and it's, it's, it's something else, you know, but, and, and, and great for you guys to, to get that. I, I can't think of too many better places for it to have gone. You know, I mean, it's, it's well, fantastic. Yeah, we, we have the space for it, but a lot of places don't have space because it, and we have the resources to process it. Yeah. And uh, we had someone, you know, in Gary and uh, who knows what he's got yeah, and, yeah. and can deal with it properly. It's fantastic. That's great. Is are there, are there plans to digitize stuff as well? It will be yeah. Digitized. Yes, it absolutely will be. And and again, that's an ongoing and slow process. Yeah, but what a resource! Uh, oh my gosh, I, I can't okay. even imagine. Yeah, I mean, it's like you know, almost all of the complete works of Fernando Sora in you know nineteenth century editions. Yeah. Of course, the big deal is the Klinger uh, Rigandi manuscript, yep. uh, uh, and, and that's that's just it, it. It it blows my mind every time I try to think of what all is in yeah. there. <laughs> you you can't comprehend uh, it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, because is is about half of the Domingo Pratt uh, collection, right? Which he had. Yeah, I remember and when so, he acquired that. That was something else. Yeah, couldn't believe it. Sub, a subunit of it that was huge. Uh, several boxes of of Russian guitar music mm -hmm. from the that we've got to get uh, the, you know, the titles translated from Cyrillic to Roman alphabet so it can be cataloged. Right. Again, it's we really don't know what it is yet. Yeah, amazing. Uh, really. What a dude, what what a treasure. That's that's great. That's so cool. And you've got that's the it. you've got the festival coming up in the in the spring. Sure, uh, Appalachian Guitar Fest will resume after two years of uh, COVID cancellation. Oh, it's been two is, years. Wow. Okay. Yeah, we lost 20 and 21. Ugh. So uh, this will be April 1 through 3, the first weekend in April 2022, uh, Appalachian Guitar Fest live and in person. Excellent. Uh, and it'll be, a, uh, it, it, even though it's my 27th year of being here, and I've run it every year except the last two, so that means the 25th year, the silver anniversary. Oh, perfect. Is, that's what it'll be, and we're celebrating that with uh, uh, a lot in the guest artist selection. It's all uh, Appalachian alumni. Excellent. Uh, yeah, Matt Palmer, Adam Kostler, Alan Mearns, uh, uh, 
Pasquale Rucco and I will perform, and uh, we're also having special presentations around the Ofe collection. Uh, uh, Oleg Mofiev is coming to the oh, Russian lecture demo. I mean, it's, it's, it will have a tour of the collection uh, for anyone interested, hoping to have this uh, a roundtable discussion yeah. that you and I talked about I'll, in the past. I'll be there. <laughs> in fact, I'm, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking that this might be my motorcycle trip for the year. Oh boy! Yeah. Well, that's what I'm, I'm thinking. It's going to a lot of it's going to depend on the weather and how kind it, it it's going to be to me. But uh, that's that's a time of year that could be could be great, could not be so great. But uh, I like to I like yeah. to take one long distance ride a year, and uh, here's a, here's a great opportunity. So it, it wouldn't be the first time it snowed in April. <laughs> uh, in fact, in fact, I, I remember it wasn't. It was one of the last ones we did. It would have been eight. 2018 or maybe 2019, uh, I got stuck. At the time, I was living out of town on a very steep hill. Oh, no. Uh, you know, for those, again, your listeners that don't know, we live in the mountains. Yes. And uh, the, the campus is like 3,300 feet. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And, and I lived another few hundred feet higher than that on a north slope, and it, it snowed. And so I was in town. I saw the snow coming down. I just uh, I had to crash in Elliot Frank's hotel room. I said, I can't. If I go home, I might not make it back in the next day. That would not be good. So, you know, we've had that sort of thing happen. But then again, yesterday was sixty some degrees, right. and we were eating lunch outside, and and <laughs> we're often shivering and you know single digits. So, it's extremely variable. Yeah. Where Where are you from originally, Doug? Are you Are you from that area? I'm originally from Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay. I, that's what I was thinking. I couldn't I couldn't remember, but uh, yeah. And you And you've been at App, App State for. 25 years? 27. 27 years. By 27. Wow. Since 1995. Did you, was there a program there before you started? There was, a, of course, a school of music. That I, I was the first uh, full-time okay. guitar teacher there. They had guitar, uh, and it, had, it was starting to get big enough that they thought they better get a full-time person. Right. And so, you know, I, and, and I, at that point, I, I mean, I never had any... I had only been to Boone maybe once right. in the years that I lived in North Carolina. And at the time, I'd been gone for almost a decade. So okay. my connection to North Carolina was, yeah, my family was still here, but that was it. Right. And uh, I couldn't believe it. It's like, oh, look, a position in North Carolina. Wow, I'd be back close to family and a beautiful place. And uh, I got very lucky and got the job. Yeah. I mean, it all stars aligned. So I'm really glad to be here. Best part of North Carolina up here. Yeah, and how how big how big of a university is App State? App State's twenty thousand students. Wow. Okay. Oh, it's not tiny at all. No, and this is again a, sort of a, a misconception we often have. North Carolina is so famous for UNC Chapel Hill, right. UNC State, you know, which are mega universities, right. but especially Chapel Hill is not that much more. Uh, doesn't have that much larger student body. Right. NC State does. They're really big, but you know we're big, yeah. and the School of Music here. It's 400-plus music majors, so it's like, wow. we're big. Uh, it's not a small program at all, and guitar is a good, it's over 30 guitar majors in all the various programs, so we're about 8% or more of the whole That's fantastic. major population, so yeah. it's significant. Are you, are you the, only, the, te the only teacher doing no, lessons? Okay. Uh, no, we have the fabulous Andy Page, who teaches oh, jazz okay. guitar. Uh, you'll meet him when okay. down here. Great, great player. And uh, he, so he teaches a good half of the students. Uh, okay. 
because the, the jazz, we have jazz majors right. in some of the, the programs. Okay. So uh, I teach the classical, he teaches the jazz. Gotcha, gotcha. And it, it, is that, how segregated is, is, is that? Like, you know, in other words, do the, do the jazz guys all take classical lessons and vice versa, or do you, do you guys? No, yeah. no. And that actually, that's a great question. That was something that when I uh, came on board, I looked at the whole program, and, and I, I didn't, when, the issue is that the music industries and some of the other mm -hmm. ones have fewer hours that are required in their program. So right. it makes sense to me to have a jazz major who only needs six half-hour lesson semesters, you right. know, to have to do, say, half-hour in classical. Like, no, let's, you, you're going to play jazz? Let's play jazz. Sure. And so the same with anyone in classical. So no, we don't, they are separate in the, uh, in the, the private lesson portion, yeah. different requirements, things like that. But they all are required to be in the guitar orchestra, and that's why we have a oh, big one. Okay, that tends to be thirty plus people every wow. semester. That's great. Yeah. That's cool. And and do you, do you, do you do um, any improvisation in in that in the in the guitar orchestra? No, it's not okay. that is, they have other avenues for that. Okay, a couple of big jazz bands, you know, sixteen piece jazz bands. Okay. Uh, they can have small combos. It's, it's an orchestral, gotcha. you know, from score out, conduct, it's yeah. that sort of thing. And are you doing the arranging for that? or did you? I try not to. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, I, I've done it. We, we actually did my, my arrangement of Sleigh Ride uh, this, this fall that I made many years ago, and I'm just not, I'm not fluent in the notation software. Okay. It takes a lot of time. And time is the rare commodity these days. Yeah. So. Uh, we, we, we do a lot of Alan Hirsch's music. Okay. Uh, because we have a big enough group that we can, you know, he does these, uh, maybe you don't know, these arrangements that are for five guitar yep. parts plus a contrabass. Right. And sometimes plus uh, a requinto part, which mm -hmm. is a, a higher guitar. And so we have enough people to put, you know, several on a part. We have three contrabasses and, uh, you know, it's a big group. We can do it. Very and cool. so his stuff works great. And there's always some easier parts and harder parts yeah, yeah. and that sort of thing. So that's, we do more of his music than anything else. Huh. Very, very cool. And so in, 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 the, in the classical side of things, um, I assume there's a performance major and you probably mm -hmm. are, are getting, seeing more music ed, ed people these days with uh, that, that happening. And well, we see, uh, we see all of it. The, the, we of course have performance, music mm -hmm. ed. We also have music therapy, a very big, oh. strong, very cool. Program in that says guitar majors there. Yeah. Uh, music industry studies is the real. The, gosh, that program now is maybe one fourth of the whole school of music. Okay. And unlike some programs, we do require musical skills right. to be a music <laughs> major. Some programs do not. Right. So uh, yeah, those those uh, students and and honestly, some of the very best players are in that program. Yeah. Uh, I've got. One guy in particular right now that's just a, an amazingly talented guy uh, who can play. <laughs> you know, he can sight read just about anything. He plays great uh, and and always does play great. And yeah. he's a junior in the music industry studies program as, as a classical guitarist. As a classical that's guitarist, great. and he's a recording yeah. engineer. So yeah, it's just uh, it's a it's a big diverse program, and we are in all of it. Yeah, that's great. That's very cool. And when, when you started, um, you know, not to not to speak of age or time passing or anything like this, but, uh, you know, to have those kinds of programs 25 years ago probably was not as common as it is these days. So were, yeah, were those all in place when you started? Um, 
Maybe not music therapy. Okay. Maybe. I, I'm not positive, but I know music industries was because okay. right away that was again some of their concern. Uh, the administration's concern their decision to get a full-time guy was because that was growing and they okay. had all these guitar players in right. the hallways. Right. Like, we need somebody that's, you know, kind of full-time dealing with uh, and, and looking over and sure. supervising their their education in guitar. Yeah. So it was... Uh, that was always part of the picture. Great, awesome, good. And what, and what what were you doing right before you started teaching there? Twenty five. years. I was teaching. Years. I taught it's uh, in Brownsville, Texas, for the two years prior. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It, where it never freezes. How's your Spanish? Uh, <laughs> it's it's At the time, I, you know, I I can speak some Italian because of my association with Pasquale Rucco yeah. and spending a lot of time there over the past, you know. Again, a past quarter century or so. But um, every time I try to talk to Spanish speaking parents and such, it would come out. I'd get a couple of sentences in, and then it would turn into Italian. And look at me. <laughs> so, uh, at that time, I could sing Spanish songs quite well, but I haven't since. And, uh, so, Studiantina was a guitar propelled uh, folkloric ensemble. Okay. And, you know, it was really fun and really a great. Uh, it was a good two years. Okay. It, it was something I had to learn on the fly and do it. Yeah. Uh, as a guitarist, and it's like, wow, it, it was a, it was, a, it was quite an adventure. And how did two you, years how, was, how did you land there? What, 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 what to get uh, out of necessity? I, I finished my doctorate and uh, was looking. You know, I had uh, relocated. I've lived a lot of places, but when I when I decided to do my doctorate, I, I was living in New York City and, and working there. Okay. I went to Tucson, Arizona to get the doctorate, and in the course of that, I lost my base of, uh, you know, freelance income. Okay. You can't work in New York City if you're not in New York City. So, Great. so in Tucson, the, there was no... <laughs> it's not New York City. Part. It's not New York City, and, and not to mention that there were several, you know, very highly skilled guitarists who'd lived there for a long time and had cornered the market on a lot of the stuff, so um, a lot of the work. So I was happy to... Tom Patterson handed me a pamphlet. You know, at that time, it was not, there was no internet ad. It was a flyer you know, advertising position. You should look into this. So I did and got it. You know, I flew down, did the interviews, the stuff, and uh, we were you know, they, they were happy to have uh, someone with my formal background yeah. in those programs because they, they used nylon string guitars, but it was mostly folkloric-type wow. folks. Wow. Oh, my gosh. So, they, uh, my position was in an arts magnet high school, and so they were looking to, to try to make it more on the instrumental side yeah. than it had. And in fact, the second year there, I did have a guitar class. Okay. It was just classical guitar, and it and it, it that program continues today. It's still there. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. <laughs> wow. So that was a, that was in a high school. High school. Okay. Yeah. Lopez High School. Okay, and you were you did that for two years before before the job at App, mm -hmm. App State. Okay. Right then, that yeah. job came up, and, and I got it. So wow! And it's, and what what were you doing in New York? So you were you, you did your doctorate at, at Arizona, Tucson. Right, right. Um, my academic career was never continuous. That's <laughs> to say, my student academic career was sure. never continuous. Uh, I had acquired two degrees in North Carolina uh, over a pretty big, you know, fifteen year period. Oh, okay. Came and went in those programs, but I was always a freelancer uh, since I was, I, I, you know, I've been in the music business since I was 17 years old. Okay. 
full time. Wow. Uh, that's another story we might use. We should might, talk about that. <laughs> I used to not talk about it, but I do now. So, it's, it's, um, so it, I went to New York because I, I had always just loved, I, I was, I had studied with Pat O'Brien okay. in New York for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I met him in North Carolina and, and really liked his approach to the tech, technical aspect. And he also, of course, is, was big, or big in early music, yeah. and I was just starting to have my interest in the 19th century stuff at that time. So um, I just packed up and moved. I just, you know, wow. I'm going to New York. You know, it seems to be the center of the musical universe, certainly in, in North America. Sure. And uh, I'd been working as a, uh, uh, I had a, a cool gig for four years as a, uh, essentially a resident artist. They called it the Visiting Artist Program. Okay. In North Carolina, it was a full-time job through the community colleges, and I had done my four years, and that's all they would let you do. Okay. So I had four years, so I knew the end was coming, and so I just set my sights on New York, found a place to live, made contact with agents, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And I hit the ground running. I had a gig the first weekend I was there. Nice. Wow. Yeah. And how that long, was an exciting few years, too. How long did, how long did you live there? Three and a half. Three and a half years, yeah. 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 Wow. Very, very cool. And, and so, okay, so you, you did the doctorate. In, in Tucson, um, mm-hmm. you got other degrees in North Carolina. Am yeah. I am I, I remembering correctly that you, you you were at Florida State for a little while too? Or never was. Yeah, okay, I I don't know why I was thinking that. So um, and where, where did everybody you, else was right? <laughs> That's probably <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is true. There was a period there where that was that was the thing, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so where did you, where did you study in, in North Carolina before you went to New York? Well, yeah, I'm native of Charlotte, and so my first degree was at UNC Charlotte, okay. which it was a program here, you know, and it was like there was guitar offered, and uh, Michael Mosley was my instructor there. Okay. Um, he was also a principal bassist of the Charlotte Symphony. Oh, how about that? Okay. Many, many years. So he was, he was an orchestral musician, good guitar skills, got some good work with, with him. I also studied with Jesus Silva. Okay. At that time, at, uh, I would go up to Winston Salem to right. have lessons with Jesus every couple of weeks. Uh, I was studying with this everybody around. Yeah. You know, give it to me. I, sure. You know, all I could get. And I uh, finished that degree, and then went to Greensboro in a similar way because it was a program. It turned out to be a academically challenging yeah. program, and, and and a good program. I was like, I'm just going because there it is. You right. know. And I, I kept my base of professional activity in Charlotte, okay. did a lot of commuting to Greensboro, which was only 80-some miles yeah. away, and got that degree over a period of time. And during the middle of that, I got a, a position at UNC Asheville as an adjunct okay. when they started a music program. So I was just kind of all over that yeah. you know, central western North Carolina, sometimes having residences in more than one town sure. during that period. Uh, and traveled a lot, yeah. and eventually got the master's at UNC Greensboro, and then uh, it was nine years before I started my doctorate after that. I okay. worked in the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Lots of commercial and classical, you know, I was doing both, you mostly classical. You were a busy classical. guy, yeah. <laughs> I was a busy guy, yeah. And what, what Seems like I still am, you know, it's like, <laughs> it didn't seem, I had more energy then. Sure. <laughs> and what, what was it, like, what prompted you to, after nine years, to go and, and do the doctor? What was what was the story? Well, there? It, the main reasons were that you know I, I figured you know okay I've I've done 
I'm in New York. I see what this is like, and, and it was it was interesting work. It's good work, but it's it's hard. Yeah, you know, it's a hard place to live if you don't have a lot of money. Yeah, and it was pretty clear that I had enough to live, but I was not going to have a lot of money, and not the kind of <laughs> to let you really shield yourself from the you know the realities of the street. Right, and I was on the street all the time. That you know I you know travel to gigs and and you know just live in the city. So it was like. I looked at older people, I thought, I don't know that I want to be old doing this. At the time, I was already in my early 30s. So uh, the opportunity came to go. I knew people at Arizona and uh, went out there, and Tom Patterson was extremely welcoming. And he had a, an incredible, and still does today, an international program like no other. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah maybe you had, USC and Juilliard had similar levels of international uh, talent, Florida State to a certain degree. But Arizona at the time was like he, yeah. mostly, yeah. mostly non-American. Right, right. So I got I went out there and you know dove into the deep end. You know, really, you know, I, I I learned and grew a lot during that period. Yeah. I had to had to really up my game to keep up with that. Yeah. What was happening there? It's, am- it's amazing the number number of people that have gone through that program and and of course you know Steve Aaron. Yeah. Uh, and and Dieter Hennings. Yeah. Uh, Gosh, I, I can name many, many in Europe that we've been there. It's a lot. And, you know, and it's when I was talking to Steve, you know, he was telling me the story of, of um, you know, he met Tom when Tom was teaching at some small college in, yeah, in yeah, Washington, Washington State. State. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, so it's like Tom's a, Tom's a, a real go getter, you know, a real hustler. And I mean that in the best of <laughs> the best of, of ways. You Tom know? is an amazing human. Yeah. And, you know, he's a very good friend of mine. I keep in touch. I'm in touch with him. Frequently, yeah. and you know, seen him a few times in the last couple of years, and uh, uh, yeah, he, he's a force of nature, and uh, I learned a lot from Tom about how to get things done. Yeah, yeah well, I, I, he's he's definitely the guy that gets things done for sure. Oh yeah! Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. So, um, and what was your what was your introduction to, to classical guitar? I mean, you mentioned that you've been working as as a musician since you're 17, but it, it, I'm I'm assuming that look like most of us, you probably uh, didn't didn't do classical guitar first? No, not at all, and didn't even know it existed really. Yeah. Um, and when I look back on that, I mean, I was um, I was professional as an electric guitarist. I started traveling, you know, a, a lot before I was even sixteen. Yeah. And but I actually had a back in those days. I I got work with a, an agency band in that was based out of Salisbury, North Carolina, okay. called the Marlboros. <laughs> and the Marlboros were like a, originally a, a Motown stacks kind of okay. art band with uh, guys out front doing routines and yeah. vocal harmonies and, and band back. And so I was, of course, in the band. Yeah. And uh, I did a lot of that kind of music. That was really most of what I did. Amazing. It's, it's just in my blood now. But, uh, you know, I, I had a salary, I could check every week whether we played or not. Amazing. Can you imagine? <laughs> no, you know, I cannot. You know, <laughs> you know, it was a living. And I was 17. I was like, I have made it. I am golden. Do you, you come from a musical family? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Kind of. But it was, uh, it was just something I was, I, I, you have to go. My mother did play piano some. She actually had been a piano major for a couple of years. Oh, wow. Okay. A moment, and uh, uh, but in the as far as blood related, uh, Brian Head of, of GFA fame mm-hmm. is my 
like my third cousin. Oh my gosh. But I never knew Brian until we were adults. <laughs> oh, how funny. I was like, yeah, you gotta meet your cousin Brian. He plays guitar too, you know? And I was like, oh, I'd love to. But <laughs> I never did. Oh so it was, um, anyways, it, what happened was that a friend of mine, uh, Ernie Ferreri, Ernesto Ferreri, who's also now a, a fa he's on faculty at uh, Cape Fear Community College okay. in Wellington. Uh, he moved to Charlotte to my high school at a, from New York City at a time where that high school didn't have many folks that didn't grow up in Charlotte. Okay. And Ernie played guitar, and I played guitar. So we, of course, became friends. And over the, you know, a couple of years later, Ernie said, listen to this. And he puts on a Segovia record. And I was just like, what is that? Yeah. That? <laughs> it was at a period where uh, I was ready for something different. I, that was, I was probably, time was so compressed back then. I mean, I, I, for two solid years, I'd been on the road and I was only 19. Oh my gosh. Uh, and had been through all that you go through on the road. And, <laughs> you know, it's like, I was kind of like, this is kind of crazy. I'm lucky to be alive and not in jail. <laughs> so, hey, classical guitar, all by yourself, you know, <laughs> here to haul around. And, and actually, it, early in my, you know, and I just dove into it, started, you know, practicing four or five hours a day and, and uh, got teachers that I could find. Yeah. Very, uh, again, unbelievably. After I came off the road and settled back down into Charlotte, my neighbor across the hall in the in the apartment building was a guy named Charles Vaughn, okay. who was the only working classical guitarist in Charlotte. Oh my who gosh! Made a playing in Charlotte at that time, and he was across the hall. It was like you could say it was meant to be. Yeah. <laughs> so, wow. And after that, I was just you know I I was obsessed yeah. with it. That was it. Oh my God. That was it. No turning back. I, I, I still worked in, you know, I still, in New York, in fact, I really had to play a lot of electric guitar because uh, the money you could make doing that. Right. And, you know, it was union wages and that sort of stuff. So it was pretty good money. I mean, honestly, at that time, three gigs on a weekend would pay my rent. Nice. Yeah. In New York, which yeah. at that time when I first came. So it's like, that was. That was worth doing. Yeah. So anyway, classical guitar <laughs> became my focus at that moment. Gotcha. Interesting. I, I love I love hearing these stories. You know, it's it's just it, all these different things of, of how people come to it and, and the impact that it makes on people's lives and, and, and changes trajectories and things. It's 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 fascinating to me. I love it. It's fantastic. So, and so you mentioned you mentioned uh, Pasquale and you've got a, yes. a, a duo with with him and sure. it, and that's been going on for for. As far as I, as long as I've known you, um, how did that? Yes. How did that come to be? Well, again, uh, just pure, you know, these crossroad moments in life where it's like something happens and this door opens and yeah. you're like, oh, look at that. Uh, <laughs> do, do you think the secret is to be paying attention when that happens? <laughs> the secret is that I tell my students this: the secret is you have to be on the path. Yeah, you have to be yeah. doing what you feel you should be doing and, and you know, it's your sincere effort to do the best you can yeah. so that when an opportunity does, a door does open, you can walk through and do what needs to be done. Yeah. And, and that was, again, what happened with that. Uh, let's see, that story, I was, I'd been living in New York in the late 80s and then went to Arizona to start my doctorate, but along that time, our friend Steve Aaron mm -hmm. took a sabbatical. Okay. So... In, 
1991, I was living in Akron. Okay. And uh, I get a phone call from a friend in New York who says, oh, this guy Carlo Baroni is here. He does 19th century guitar, and he's, he's playing in Columbus. Oh, my gosh. Something Tom Hackett set up for him. Wow. And if you can get him any kind of gig in Akron, they can run up and do it. Money's not an issue. Just get him a gig. Amazing. They, they, they were funded by various things from the Italian government. Sure. So Carlo Baroni comes in with, a, a, I think he had a, a flutist, a singer maybe. It was an ensemble, but it was my first exposure to 19th century, real 19th century guitars. Okay. And it was, again, it was wow moments where it's like all those times I'd played Giuliani and thought, I don't get it. Right. It's like, oh, now, now I get it. Sure. Now I see what we're doing here. Oh, it's this kind of guitar. Oh, it sounds like that. Oh, sure. we're looking at, you know. And so Carlo Baroni said, oh, yeah, come to, come to Italy. I will give you a scholarship to come to Italy to study in Lago Maggiore. And I'm like, okay. And so that summer off I go. And I spent several weeks in Italy, in the north, in the most beautiful, some of the most beautiful place in the, oh, yeah. place in the planet, in the, in the lake region of northern Italy. And in the, the, we had like three different locations we went. And I studied with Carlo and, and some other guys and, and just saw all these old guitars. It was like... Uh -huh. Holy moly, this is so cool. And I uh, met Pasquale at that okay. time, who was was also on that faculty. Okay. Had been for several years. And we became friends, and then we you know, did some collaboration, and then we said, let's just do this a lot. And so we did. <laughs> so he would find his concerts in Italy, I would find his concerts in America. And, and over the time, over time, it's, you know, it's... Uh, it's just part of who we both are musically. Sure. We, we've been doing it for so long. He's my Italian brother. I'm Uncle Doug in, in Italy. <laughs> my uh, and, and again, we're hoping to pick, the, pick it back up in March right. of 22, uh, COVID permitting. Right, right. So you've been, you've, you've been playing with him since 91. Yes. Yeah. Wow. No, no, no. 90. 95. Okay. All right. 20, same. Just before I came to Appalachian, we started playing duos together yeah. in 95. That was okay. our official first. And, yeah. And, and with, 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 with him being in Italy and you being in North Carolina, how do you, how do you work out the practical details of rehearsing and, and preparing and putting together a program and all that kind of stuff? It, it used to be hard. It, it used to be difficult because of that. And we, we at this point... Uh, we kind of know what the other's going to do before he does it. Yeah. And so for us to learn new rep and, and play stuff that we haven't played, it's especially the play stuff we haven't played in a while, it's like, it's nothing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just so, oh, yeah, okay, fine. Yeah. Sure. And, and I was just talking to uh, the guys yesterday about how in ensemble playing, what I like and what Pasquale and I can do is, is, is a spontaneous, spontaneity and that we can play – we know how it's going to go. It's yep. going to go about this fast, and we're going to do this here and that here. But we can also do much more beyond that. Right. Just decide to do something in the moment, and the other will pick up on it right. and go with him. Yeah. So you know, it's it's that's the the benefit you can get in a in a, a long lasting ensemble that you, I I don't think you can have any other way. Right. Yeah. 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 You get a sense of what it feels like. You trust the person. It's reliable. You, yeah. It's 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 a much different experience for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that guy's got a photographic memory and and nerves of steel. <laughs> it was like you know he's always the rock. He says 
He'll say, Douglas, don't be nervous. They don't even know anything. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. My favorite was Paul. But uh, so he's he's a great partner for, yeah. for that because you know once he learns it, it's there. Amazing. Then it's in his brain and in his fingers, and he'll say. Oh, yes. I remember this from the last time we played. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Fantastic. And you guys have done a, a bit of recording as well, right? Yeah, we've got two that we've released, and I've got one in the can. Oh, this one yeah? Is, yeah, this, this, it's, it's been a little while. I don't want to say just how long, but we did it. And it's like, I, I'm just too busy. Uh, <laughs> and, and there's too many irons in the fire. Yeah. And so that one, it just hasn't happened. And, and actually, uh, uh, Adam Kostler gave me a great idea that I, I won't say it here because I haven't followed up on it yet, but it's like, oh, just talk to so-and-so. He'll do all the editing and there stuff you for you. He'll do it quick and not too much money. I'm like, oh, so you, okay. Have you always done all the work on those yourself? I, I've been involved in, in yeah. all the production, yes. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of work. I, I, know what, <laughs> I know what I want to hear. Yeah. Uh, I so I you know I I'm, I essentially act as producer right as right. well and uh, and, and post production is like that's the part I really don't like and mm -hmm. so I just haven't gotten to it in this last project we like I said yeah. we've got a full CD in the can it's it's and, a slow uh, we, slow process you know we might get it out this this yeah. coming year I, I think now's time it, now or never let's get it out what, what what repertoire will be on it let me think uh, that rep is some uh, some Diabelli arrangements for Turts and Normal Guitars, oh, cool. a duo with Turts and Normal Guitars, that were only published in a periodical okay. in Diabelli's time in Vienna. They're all opera arias okay. that he'd arranged, and they're great arrangements. Diabelli knew yeah, what he was oh, doing. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, I found them in the Library of Congress some years ago, got, came over oh, there. Several inch stacked high of, of photocopies of those things, and we've just kind of been going through them. So that one we recorded three Rossini arias. Okay. Uh, for that, we did one of the Loyer Grand Duos. Okay. We did. Uh, gosh, I'm embarrassed. What else did we do? <laughs> um, oh, Sor uh, Le Deux Amis. Uh huh. I think no, not the two friends. The other one. Um, let uh, the encouragement. Let okay. Uh -huh. uh -huh. Record that. Uh, and honestly, I don't remember what else is on it. Definitely the Loyer. Definitely the Diabelli. Definitely the. Uh, oh, we did Giuliani Opus One Thirty. Okay. The uh, the big uh, duo concert mm -hmm. variation. Yeah, that's it. So Fun. the the variations, the the soar, L'Encouragement, which is variations, uh, the Diabelli arrangements, and the Loyer. I think that's Excellent. all I want. Where is Pasquale? Where does he live? He lives in uh, Gricignano di Aversa, wow. which is a suburb of Napoli. Oh, okay. So it's, it's, it's a kind of a continuous, you know, Napoli is enormous. Right. And then there's that, that's Naples. Naples for us Yanks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he always says, I live in Naples. Yeah. Right. <laughs> for Americans, Gricignano di Aversa is yeah. a little, yeah. is a mouthful. And it's a tiny little <laughs> So it's a tiny little town in a sprawly metropolitan area. Yeah, and 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 you travel over there pretty pretty well. You Quite a lot. Yeah. yeah, I've spent a lot of time there. That I was there just before the pandemic hit okay. in uh, the beginning of 2020, and uh, yeah, I, I, I'm very much at home. Yeah, and that I my way around. Yeah, it's, it's it's no problem for me to be there and just plug right in. Yeah, we do. 
we, did you guys do a workshop over there? Am I remembering that correctly? Or? Oh, we had a, we had a festival over there. Right. Several Sorrento okay. Guitar Fest. Yes. We okay. Four or five times. Yeah. Is that an uh, ongoing concern, or is that is that not well, happening? not anymore. The, the the thing about it was that it was um, the this. Gosh, I hate to say it this way, but it, we we were dealing with the 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 town of Sorrento for venue, uh-huh. and those guys was like. Like if I tried to talk to them in the fall about if I tried to talk to them now about having a hard date for July or June, mm-hmm. they would say, "Oh, wait till wait till March or April." Right, yeah. of course. Like, no, I can't do that. You know, right. people have to plan. So the the whole American, we got to plan and, and yeah. have a have a plan and execute the plan. Yeah, it didn't work there. Yeah, I mean, there were, there were <laughs> the last time we did it, they actually like a week out. One week out, told us that one of the dates we had the venue. Sorry, we can't do that. Ugo, somebody has to come in and play a concert. Then we're very sorry. We didn't have to know there was this conflict. Which yeah, yeah. who knows? Sure. Was. They just decided that Ugo was more important than we were, <laughs> and, and so we had to move it to another day. And fortunately, it worked. Yeah. We just shifted the schedule around a little bit and made it work. But that's just that stuff gave me indigestion. Right. Because you know? <laughs> I'm the one that, you know, the Americans that come over are, are talking to about right. it. You're the, you're the one that requires all the planning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, you know, they didn't care. Yeah. And so that, I mean, it was, it, but it was always so beautiful and such oh a great gosh. experience. Yeah. It's just the run-up to it and the, the, the sort of, you know, wondering how it was all going to work out. Yeah. It's just, it's just too much fun. It's just a lot of, lot of, lot of logistical details that have to have to be in place for something mm-hmm. like that to happen. Yeah, amazing. But, but man, the, the venue, I mean, you know, we played in this 900-year-old kiosk the oh, courtyard. come on. <laughs> in the green room, you looked out the window to the bay. Yeah. The, the Gulf of Naples. Yeah. And there's Capri, and there's all the boats sailing, oh, you know. It's like, amazing. And you're up several hundred feet in the air looking down all this stuff. Yeah. And it was amazing. And the acoustic was, even though it was outdoors, was great. You know, it was just, it, it was, and the food, yes. you know, and, and, you know, the you know, day trip to Pompeii, stuff like that. It was, it was really cool. <laughs> well, you know, maybe, maybe in the future, maybe, maybe it'll maybe. come back. <laughs> and so Pasquale is going to be coming in, in the, in the spring for, for your event. Yep. In March, we've got some dates in, in the East. Uh, and again, I didn't realize it, it, there's still a lot up in the air. So many People are still wondering if yeah, they're going to do live or virtual and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, we've got a plan. Yeah. Uh, you know, the last part of March, we'll be playing concerts around here, hither and yon. Yeah. And, uh, and some will be virtual and some will be live, and we'll figure all that sure. out. Sure. Yeah. F- fingers crossed, you know. So. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you have any plans to go to, to do any touring in, in Europe? Um, my next plan is fall. Okay. Um, Pasquale's lined up some uh, things for us to do playing concerti. Oh, fun. Uh, got the string player, you know, concerti with, with string quartet. Yeah. And some venues in his neck of the woods. Oh, cool. Um, so I'm trying to decide which one I'm playing. He, he knows uh, the Opus 30 Giuliani really uh-huh. well. does it really perfectly. Yeah. So he's doing that one. I'm trying to decide, you know, Boye, Carulli, Molino. I'm not really sure yeah. which I'll do. And I might do the Giuliani uh, Quintet. Okay. Is, yeah, there you go. As well. So, uh, you know, I'll do something like that in the fall. Yeah. Uh, in, in the, you know, not high season. Sure. Uh, which, it, you know, in high season, quite frankly, it, it, except at Sorrento, it's, it's funny, like, high season, 
nobody wants to go to a concert. They all go to the beach. And so, so to do, it, to do it in the autumn and the you know the travel's less expensive and people are more interested in doing something of that nature. Right. So, right. Yeah. October most likely. Very very cool. Yeah. Wow. Staying busy all the time. <laughs> so I, I I don't know if um if you if Hazel mentioned it, but I I talked to her a little while ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, I heard it. it was great. Yeah, I was I was there the day you were talking to Hazel. Right. Yeah, you were there because you guys played a rock band together. Yeah, yeah, the Harrows the were Harrows, playing yeah. that night. Absolutely. I thought that was I thought that was hilarious, and that was that was probably when I thought you know I probably should get Doug on here too. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the last time I think, I think probably the last time I saw you was when Hazel and I were playing in Cincinnati. Isn't that right? I, I, oh, oh, no, no, no. We saw you in Columbus. You were in Columbus. I, w- I didn't, wasn't able to make the concert, but I, I, I joined you guys afterwards for, for drinks and dinner. Yes, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. That's the most recent, but we also saw you in Cincinnati. In Cincinnati, right. I think that was, that was the, last, the last time Claire did that event, if I'm not mistaken. You know? I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right. There's yeah. good, good times. Yeah. So how uh, how far is Boone from where is she now? She's in um... she's in Brevard. Right. Brevard is two and a half hours. Okay. Yeah, it's on the other side of Asheville. Okay. So, so Boone is the northwest corner of the state, and then you go down the Blue Ridge Parkway sort of roads and, and get to Asheville. You keep going, and then you hit Brevard. So Brevard is much more west. Okay. Uh, than Boone. Yeah. And and you guys yeah, you guys have done you you've done all sorts of gigs together. We've done a lot of work together yeah. the past decade. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure about a decade. Uh, the, the story and she probably told you the story was that years ago, uh, she her mom commissioned David Leisner to oh, write right. some songs called. Did she tell you yes. the story? Yes. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, the the songs of devotion. Five mm-hmm. songs of devotion. And. Uh, and the first time I ever saw Hazel, she didn't do those, but she was singing lute songs yeah. accompanying herself, which was stunning. It's beautiful. And yeah. uh, I met her in the 90s when she did that in Oberlin when I was there. When I guess I was 94 okay. was when I met Hazel. So I've always been a fan. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and then we played it. Pasquale and I played in Charleston some years ago and uh, and brought up that I had done those songs I, because I did, I did those songs when David Leisner, when I lived in New York and I know David, yeah. uh, David and I had been friends for many years, David uh, was at that point not playing because of the focal dystonia right. that he okay. had overcome. And so David asked me if I would play the songs in, his, in the Cathedral of St. John the Divine huh. with soprano. And I was like, yeah. And, <laughs> you know, not every day you get to play in a in a cathedral the the twice as long as a football field, yeah. right? And you know it was very cool. So uh, I learned those songs at that time, and I saw for Hazel Ketchum, and I, and I remember mentioning after our concert in Charleston with Hazel, say Hazel, you know I played those songs of devotion, and it's just like, oh, you're kidding me, you know, and, and so all that stuff. And so eventually, I just. Uh, I started playing some early music yeah. with Hazel uh, in a group called Corte de Cantantes. Right. Okay. Singing strings with Florian yeah. uh, Cassini on Baroque cello and me on Theorbo. And, and we sort of switched around. You know, I would play some, and then we was expanded 19th century guitar stuff. Yeah. In Cincinnati, Hazel and I did a rather spy. Pasquale and I had been invited, but Pasquale couldn't come over. Okay, and, that's and, right. That's, yeah. And so I said, well, Claire, how about let me ask Hazel? Maybe Hazel could do this. And so Hazel and I, pulled together some of the Corday Cantanti stuff and did some 19th century duets and 
spewed a whole bunch of different stuff. Some of the songs of devotion, and uh, we had a duo program. Yeah. So that was fun. That's great. But then along the way, it turns out, yeah, I'm down in Charleston for for rehearsals with Hazel, and she's oh, well, you know, we're playing uh, this gig at the. Uh, Oh, what is it called? The, the Poor House. Poor House, yep, yep, yep. Oh, you are. Yep. And uh, I'm playing drums. I was like, you're kidding me. <laughs> and so I sat in, and it was like, bang, wow, that was fun. Yeah. And she really didn't know that I could play electric guitar, and she, I didn't really know she could play drums. And ever since then, we've done this periodically. And in fact, we're, we're probably going to do a recording oh, yeah. in January oh, with fun. the Harrow. I'm like, you guys, listen, come here and record at our, uh, our school of music. Uh, recording studio is really very very good great facility and and that sort of stuff they do very very well yeah so you know let's do some tunes they've got some originals and uh we're oh what we're fun how much yeah. fun is that that's great too much fun, <laughs> oh, too much fun. now have, have you been active as as an electric guitarist this whole time or is this something that you're coming back to uh Okay, so it was the only thing I played in my <laughs> early career, and I kept doing it, and it really didn't stop completely until I went to Arizona. And at okay. that point, when I went there, it was like there, I didn't have any outlet for it. Uh, I needed to travel wide. I sold all my electric gear, yeah. all of it. I had nothing. And, uh, and it wasn't until roughly 2009 that my colleague Andy Page at, at school, he's, he's a very active gig player. And he had, uh, he was doing things with Andy Page and friends okay. that was, you know, kind of funky and kind of R&B uh, and not just jazz. And I heard him call and I said, Andy, I want to be a friend. <laughs> I want to be one of the friends. <laughs> yeah, I want to be, I'm your friend, come on. And so, and so I got my hands on electric guitar and, 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 and I'm telling Carl, it was so much fun. It was like, I describe it as like sticking my fingers in an electric album. <laughs> oh, wow. I remember how much fun this yeah. is. Mm -hmm. So that was it. It's like, okay, I'm in this. <laughs> and uh, my main outlet, I've had many, I've done, uh, when I lived in New York, I did, I subbed for lots of bands. That was, yeah. I didn't have a band most of the time. It's because I was involved in classical. Yeah. But I would say like, you know, I had a couple of agents that would call me for sub work. And I, yeah, so this thing you show up, you've never met these guys, yep. I rehearsed, you play the game. Yep. And so I was pretty adept at that. So playing, I've done some, some of that sort of work in the region with, with R&B bands sure. that still play the old stuff with horns and things. Yeah, yeah. But my main alley for that is I play with the Junaluska Gospel Choir. Oh my which gosh. For over a decade now. Huh. Uh, it's, it's the... It's 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 a hundred the oldest primarily African American community church in the county. Wow! And it's an honor. I'm telling you, uh, Carl, it's an honor to play with these people. Yeah. They, they've all grown up together. They sing spontaneously in harmonies. Yeah. The, 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 one of the directors we had for the group, he's like. Uh, Y'all just sing some harmony. They know the tradition. And sure. so it's, it's essentially an R&B, old-timey kind of stuff. Amazing. And oh, what's happened over the years is that my, my friends that I play in the band, they're the best guys in the, in the area. Of course, yeah. playing this stuff. And it, it, it's, it's 
regularly a profound experience. Oh, wow. When, when, as we say, when God is in the house and that stuff is, is really happening and the, the, the building's bouncing. Yeah. Oh, what fun. Uh, and that's in Boone? That's, that's there. Boone every Sunday morning, man. Amazing. Come on down. <laughs> so, I, I, yeah, so it's the thing I get to do that's always wonderful every oh, that, Sunday morning. That's great. That, yeah, that, that, sounds, that sounds like it's not a bad thing to be doing with a Sunday morning. <laughs> no, it's not at all. And wow. it's not too early, which is also right. cool. Yeah, <laughs> that's very cool. So I'm bouncing around a whole lot here, but it just came just came to mind. So you you kind of have done some some specialization in the world of nineteenth century guitar music, playing mm-hmm. on on historical instruments and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. And you you know you had mentioned being being introduced to that. Um, so what? Uh, just talk about that a little bit because I think that, I think that's kind of like this little subset. You know, people are doing that, but it's it's kind of a different different world, and those instruments are out there, and you probably know some stuff about that that, that people should hear about. Well, sure, and and so my involvement with it's been since 1991, okay. so that's been 30 years, Yeah, 30 years ago, and uh, what I would say about it is that um, it's more fashionable now, there's a lot more of it yeah. being done now than it, there was 30 years ago. Um, it's it's more than just playing the old instruments. It's like you, you can't the the instrument will tell you a lot. So mm-hmm. like I heard, like I was mentioning earlier, when I heard Giuliani and Soar yeah. on the old guitars right away. I mean, there's a different sound. It's a different balance. It's a different color palette. Mm-hmm. It's different in many many ways, but it's still a guitar. Yeah. So you go you go a little further, and, and but what they talked about a lot in in Carlo's uh, summer schools. Uh, the uh, the academy that I attended mm-hmm. for three three summers was not just it, it's about understanding the style of performance from that time, drawing on original sources, a lot of which are vocal, okay. like there's vocal treatises, particularly uh, the Carl Cherney, uh, the one yeah. that I, I found most recently fascinating is is his uh, 1830s piano school. Opus 500, which has an entire volume on interpretation. Yeah, it's like okay, I get you know, and, and I'm just there's so much in the score that if you don't, if you just grab a guitar, uh, a facsimile guitar, or uh, you an actual one, just start playing. It's like it, there's so much more you need to have a grip on if you really want to approach what I say. We certainly what I think would have been the style common of that era so we're you know the era 1810 to 1840 or so is where most of that music occurred and so you have to you have to look at the scores differently you have to understand what the instruments want to do and what they don't want to do Mm -hmm. so like you know a, 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 a modern day Nowadays, you know, not even I used to be able to say traditional Spanish style of guitar. Well, nowadays, like with double tops and yeah. you know, various other non-traditional ways of making guitars, they're a different animal. They, yes. they very they respond high completely different. Completely respond different, differently. Yeah. The bass different quality, voice. Different, yeah. different voice, different balance, and so um, it's even more radical when you look at the music of, say, early Beethoven or Mozart. Those guys on the period pianos, yeah. what they play versus a modern piano is far more different than what a 19th century guitar and a modern guitar 
don't have in common. Yes. It, it's so startlingly different. I mean, like you and I can carry a forte piano. We can pick it up <laughs> and move it around in the building, right? And I can't do that with the Steinway, right. can we? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, just the balance and the way that the things speak and you're keeping things, it, it's, it's startlingly different. Sounds different, the action's different, all that. The difference in the guitars is not that extreme. It's different, but not that extreme. Yeah. But you still have to really understand that, so a lot of times I've coached um, modern guitarists, and I would say this too, yes, you can play your modern guitar in a, a way that reflects the style. Right. You can do this, sure. but not if you try to play it like Albania is. Or right. You know, right. You know. in, yeah. All sorts of sounds that you can make in ways to play. It's like, no, I don't think they did that yeah. then. And, and, so, and of course, the, the the other extreme that, or I say, or not extreme, but the other thing that, that I've done and Pasquale and I both do is play with gut trebles, which right. that changes things because yeah. again, they don't like to be played certain ways, right. and they just won't do it. You know, you yeah. slice the string with your mm -hmm. nail or something, and 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 uh, that affects you know how, how the tension is going to be. How thick the string? I mean, right. all these right. nowadays. I'm talking with people about string gauges. Right. It's like, and what pitch? And you know, it's like it's getting much more exacting. Yeah. Uh, like for example, the, the French and Italian guitars tend to be a little bit longer, uh, but the pitch in France might have been really low. So, okay. you know, pitch wasn't standardized. We right. know that. Right. And yet, the, the Viennese guitars and the German ones they get shorter. Uh -huh. So you know, the shorter guitar means if you all things, other things being equal, if you're trying to reach, say, A430, okay. A equals 430 or 425, around that, which would have been common, but not a rule right. at that time. Uh, Pasquale and I actually play a little bit lower than that usually because we like to use these thick strings on French guitars. Okay. And if we tighten them up too much more, they start sounding like a banjo. Right. So <laughs> that's not what you want. So right. the German guitars are shorter. So what that says to me is like these guys, and, and you can read a little bit about it, like Aguado talks about string gauges a little mm -hmm. bit at the time, but you can start using a little bit thicker string. Okay. And a little bit thicker string means you can play with nails without shredding them quite so right. quickly. So all these things tie in together. Sure. And, you know, the modern guys will just say, well, I'm just using nail gut, you know, right. whatever, you know, the set that comes in the pack. Right. I'm like, well, okay, but, you know, <laughs> you know it doesn't... If you, if you hear my guitars with gut strings and you hear their facsimiles with nylon gut, yeah. it's not it's, the it's same. It's different, yeah. yeah so you can argue all you want. Say, so, well, your guitar is 200 years old. It didn't sound that way 200 years ago. <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't there. Right. Uh, but, you know, it certainly didn't sound like nylon gut sounds. Right, right. Sounds, it's cool. I like it in a lot of ways. It's very practical. but And it eliminates some of those concerns about how tight you can make because it won't break mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if you get a little too tight. Yeah. Uh, now, do you always play with your nails on, on the gut strings? I do. Yeah. I do. But, but again, if that first string gets too skinny, yeah. it's like it's, it's done in about an hour. Yeah. And, uh, and I use a, a varnished uh, harp string, which also gives a little oh. more. They're great. Huh. Yeah. And this is very common in early music. The Orbos yeah. sometimes yeah. have harp strings because they, they're consistent. They're not so pricey, yeah. and sometimes you can use varnish ones, which makes them a little more durable and less prone to uh, absorbing and, and releasing moisture yeah. quite so quickly, which drives them crazy yeah, yeah. with inflammation. So uh, I'm just all this to say, there's a whole <laughs> lot more to know. I will never know it all, right? Uh, 
uh, I'm still fascinated with all that I yeah. discover. Yeah, you don't have to dig very deep before it gets really complicated, you know, to, to start well, thinking about all these things. Deep, I'm going to use that as a, as a segue. Uh, my current project is I'm, I'm going to republish the uh, 10 etudes of Rigandi. What? And, yeah, yeah, in no small part because you know, we have the, the, the most authoritative yeah. manuscript in the collection. Yeah. And, you know, you can look at a scan of it or a photocopy of mm -hmm. it, but I can look at it. Yeah, right. And right now I'm trying to decide about it. I just realized that... Another version is like take A two one and we're gonna go right down the rabbit hole. The second measure starts with a D minor chord in the key of C. Yep. That guess what? One of the manuscripts has it as a D minor seven with a C on the second It's not in any of Matanya's editions. And I'm thinking, well, I don't think it doesn't smell right, it doesn't sound quite right. But we were looking at the the Klinger manuscript. Best one yesterday in the flesh, and lo and behold, did someone erase that C on measure two? Wow. And we're like, and so you know, Gary Boyd today is like over there. He's going to take the magnifying glass and get in there and yeah. see because they would have scraped it. They wouldn't have. They didn't have right. erasers. Quite It'd be it mechanical. Yeah. Away. And so it's ink. It's not pencil. It's yeah. ink. So they had to scrape it to erase it. So you can go in with the magnifying glass and see is there some paper gone. <laughs> You're going to take it to the, the radiology and have to make x-rays of the page. <laughs> we're going to forensically analyze this guy. Oh, my but, gosh. Uh, it's, 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 so it's going to be... Now, wasn't, wasn't Matania's last edition based on... It was? Not that was based on the so-called Huddleston. But okay. he's still, you know, I've got them all right here on the stand. <laughs> I, I, saw, I saw the Rugatti, yeah. It's like, <laughs> the original one, yeah. Yep. And here's the second yep. one. <laughs> here is the third one. Which for a while, I, didn't, you know, I have to admit, I didn't realize there was a third one because he used the same photograph right. that he used on the yeah, first it's, one. It's a purple cover, though. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so I, 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 that didn't make the connection for a while. So <laughs> the point being that he, over time, acquired the three main yeah. sources. The first one was a, 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 a copy, a manual copy, a photocopy of someone's making a manual mm -hmm. copy of the clinger, right. and he got that one, and that, and John Holmquist edited the first version. Mm -hmm. Then Matanya bought the clinger manuscript, which we have, then, then, and that's the one he used on the second version, yeah. and that's better. Yeah. Okay. Then the Huddleston is just, we're not really sure, again, Matanya was great at speculating yeah. about <laughs> the providence of these things, yeah. but it's like, okay, Matanya, if you say so, but... You know, the point being that he thinks it's actually earlier than the cleaner. Right. And he thinks it's kind of a work in progress at that time. Between you and me and the rest of whoever listens here, he missed a few details. Okay. Matanya missed a few details that they're in that. The one that's like, I caught right away. It's like, oh, it's not for, it's not just for six strings. It's for eight. Wow. Um, and that's and, and so you see some chord voices that are different in the huddles. Yeah. And it's like, okay, we know where Gandhi played seven and eight string sure. guitars all the time. Yeah, yeah. But all of his publications are for six, right. maybe for commercial reasons. Who knows? Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, it, it's becoming a bigger can of worms every moment. Yeah, that's <laughs> fantastic, though. Wow. That's, that's, yeah, but, yeah. but I, we'll, we'll publish it. Uh, we'll include the facsimiles. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So, you know, it's like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a performance edition. I'll not talk too much yeah. about what's done. It, where it's necessary, we'll put the little, you know, the little sure. smaller 
and chip it there. Yeah. Like, here's what the other manuscript says. Maybe, it, yeah. And and there's a few other question marks. Well, like yeah, that that whole that whole procedure. You know, I always talk about it in in terms. Of, it's decision making, right? You you have you you have to make the decisions, and you know, no matter what decisions you make, somebody somebody is going to disagree with them. And that's okay too, but my my whole thing is with 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 editing. It's it's, it's got to be honest, right? You know, I I should be able to see transparency in your decision making process, so that if I want to make this different decisions, I I can do that, and I don't I don't have to be like um, the you know I don't have to be blinded by your decisions. I guess is the way that I would I would look at it. You know? Right, right, and and but what I would also say about the clinger is the clinger is a very high quality. I mean. It's Gandhi, in my experience, he doesn't use a lot of left-hand fingerings, yeah. but if you look carefully at the time values of notes, yeah. tells you, or am I free to leave this position and go sure. up higher, etc. Yeah. The, the clues are always there. Yeah. And so the same is true with the Klinger manuscripts. Like, nope, it's all there. No, the, what the, you the know, Klinger's the there. one that has all the different layers, some colored pencil, and it, yeah. that wasn't necessarily able to be distinguished in the photo, the photocopy that he used for the original edition. Well, the first one was, it was a, a manual copy of the... Okay, okay. So it was, that was clear, but it was, a, it was an amateur. An amateur, okay. back then, of course, you know, you couldn't take a picture or right. go to the box machine. You made a copy. Right. So that's what he got first. Okay. Then he got the, the, the source that that person had used to make their copy. Right. So, and, and that still remains, to my knowledge, the most high quality because... Yeah. Honestly, there's just not many mistakes. It's like I've caught one note. That's, that's obviously that's a wrong note. Yeah. Otherwise, there's a few places that were clean. arranged and changed. Yeah. It's like it could be either or, but you know they changed it to this. Right. And to just discover, like I said, the C natural. It's like that nobody caught that before, right. and I it wouldn't have caught it unless I'd seen the Huddleston, which had it very clearly notated. Interesting. So, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm going to use the clinger, and that's the most authoritative. I'll be true to the time values, which is, is critical to understanding what he's expecting, so, yeah. like where you play on the neck. And I'll put fingerings, but I'll also include the fact that say, yeah. you don't think this is right? You have a look. Yeah, that's great. That's very, very cool. And it'll, it'll work. When, it'll when work. is this? When, when do you think you'll... Oh, yeah, oh, I shouldn't oh, ask this question. Oh, I know, oh, I know better, but I, I'm, I, I want it. <laughs> I, I hear you, and, and I want to do. I, I have no university obligations as of right now, December seventeen. Until <laughs> I've got a, a very clear three weeks that I'm going to do a lot of this work. I'm going to get a lot of it done. And, uh, yeah, Merry Christmas to you. Not to eat too much. So, yeah, so yeah, this is what I can do it. And, and once I have quality time and yeah. and get into it, so it's like I'm into it up to my eyeballs every day for a few weeks. I think we'll get a lot done because again, it doesn't need that much. Right. If if you get the the the, the clear manuscript set so that it. It is what it says. You know, put it like this, you know, and then all you got to do is add a few rests because they'll do things like, uh, you know, you got half note, bass note, another half note, that's fine. But the, they were incomplete voicing. So, like, they put the bass note in, and, and the modern edition should have some rests to fill up the time in that voice. Right. And they just simply didn't bother. Right, right. So it's like, I have no trouble reading that, but I'm going to. Oh, but it's true to the note length that the clinger has. Yeah. 
It'll work fine. That's it's, exciting. It's, that's 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 really cool, though. That's the, and I, I, you know, right now I'm also thinking, wow, the the uh, what what else what else are you gonna bring out to the world from that collection of stuff sitting there at Upstate? You know. Oh boy, were we talking about this yesterday? I mean, <laughs> having a, a guitar nerd foursome there. Um, there's more. There, there's yeah. definitely more. Uh, time allowing. Time allowing there is more, but this, this one needs to be done now. I, right. I feel like these these this music's been out there since the '90s, yeah. and all of the versions they're just I'm you know yeah. love Matanya, but there's just some, some misperceptions yeah. about the music that uh, someone who plays more and has played this music a lot sure. yeah. would would catch. And well, you know, and, and that that brings up another another thing that that kind of came to mind when you were talking about the. The issues of, of dealing with stringing and tuning and, and construction and all that is like I always think of approaching that that entire thing as isn't it all just speculation isn't it, it just an experiment you know it, it, like one can one can approach it and say you know with authority this is how it was done and it has to be done this way and 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 I, I don't you know, I, I don't I don't think that's I don't think that's it. I think it's more like, hey, this is this is fun. Let's experiment and try this. What do you think of that? You know, and I, I, I love that 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 kind of spirit about approaching things that we just don't know about. Right. We, we can gather sure. information. We can we can try stuff. And, you know, hey, it's it's I mean, it's it's a grand experiment. And that's awesome. It's a grand experiment. And, and I, mean, I fall a little bit maybe to the right of that point of view, only, only in the sense that, you know, I've, I've been so involved in it for such amount of time, and had so, you know, it's like, after a while, okay, there's something just, you, you kind of know, it's like, well, probably not that. Yeah. But I always, <laughs> and, and probably more like this, yeah. okay, but that leaves still an awful lot of area you sure. can play around with. And, um, and, and, and the other thing to remember is, that, that you have to keep in mind, I think, is that travel and homogenization of, of yeah. culture hadn't happened nearly to the extent yeah. that it is now. So what's going on in Paris is not what's going on sure. in Vienna. Sure. It's not what's going on in Berlin, certainly not what's going on in Moscow. Yeah. And in Italy, they're all singing opera. So it's like, <laughs> it's, you know, it, it, it really is. There were different scenes and different styles and uh another going back to my past back when i did my doctorate i did my little thesis on lignani so i was okay. reading everything i could read about lignani at the time and so i would get into these uh viennese magazines because lignani was in vienna yeah. for quite a few and, and trying to make his mark in vienna and just sort of reading how they would write about foreign I remember reading about a French pianist who came to town, and, and the, the reviewer was a little unkind, and and about the way the French would do things that were in bad taste, and, yeah. and we would never do here in Vienna. Essentially, <laughs> what he was saying, and there were various Viennese words that don't translate very well to that describe what the guy was doing on the piano, and so it's like interesting. Okay, well, clearly, I say clearly, so you can't. You can't know. You weren't there. You couldn't hear it. But you get the idea that there's something going on in Paris that is not the same as in Vienna. Yeah. It's very clear. That's that's a tr a, a, a tr and, that's and a it, truth. And it makes sense too. I mean, absolutely, yeah, it makes, makes sense. sense. It'd be a different community. Yeah. 
But I always say you can only be historically informed. You can't be historically accurate. Right. Yes. And anytime yeah. the, the phrase historically accurate comes out of somebody's yeah, mouth, like, easy there. Yeah. yeah. Don't yeah. go there because you you can't. Right. Right. That's fun. That's cool. So d tell me, uh, just you know, just because I'm a nerd for such things, tell tell me about your collection of 19th century guitars. What 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 do you have these days? Well, um, I actually let's see. I have. A 10-string Anton Stauffer. Nice. Very fond of. Pretty, un very unusual instrument. You don't see many yeah. of these. Um, Viennese made, 1840s. Yeah. I have my most played one is an 1830s Jacques Desrosiers, which is a okay. probably Miracorps uh, okay. French instrument. It's, it's, the French were copying each other a lot. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Miracorps guitar... Like I've I've compared mine to a, a Lacote. Okay. Uh, and it's like there was no difference. Yeah. Size, string length, every thickness, everything was the same. Obviously, they were saying they got a hold of a Lacote. Uh, I mean, uh, here I get. Obviously, <laughs> apparently they got a hold of one, just copied it. Sure. And, and you know, it was the thing. And so it it sounds great. I mean, it, it's just uh, it's been played a lot over the past twenty years and. And it is a, an active, you know, old instrument. Yeah. It's, it's amazing to uh, I have another anonymous Miracore I acquired during the pandemic <laughs> that, that Hazel has right now. Okay. I said, Hazel, play this thing. Play it some. Because, uh, frankly, we don't know when Pasquale comes over. It's gotten so dicey trying to get a guitar in the, in the cabin that more than once now, he just has traveled without a guitar. I had something for him to play. Right, right. Uh, so I've got another Miracore. I've got uh, an Austrian 1840s. Probably this guy plucked like oh, Eugene yeah. Brick. Yeah. It's probably a plock that I got. I love and that guitar. It, that it, this oh is my great. This is great. So this one is very similar in construction. Okay. I think some of the rosettes look the same. Okay. Yeah, so it's from that school. Okay. Yeah. And. Um, I've got some Russian guitars. A big part of the collection we got is Russian music, right? So mm -hmm. it's seven strings, not the same as mm -hmm. I don't really have one that I play, can play. So I'm going to Russify this plucked guitar because it had a, <laughs> not a good neck. Okay. It's like that part's not very good at all. But the sound of the guitar is good. So Larry Brown, okay. Lars yeah, yeah. K. Brown, who's done much, my good friend has done a lot of great work for me over the years, who lives in Asheville, not far is russifying it for me. He's cut the old neck off. He's building a new neck. We're going to preserve the string width, uh -huh. the string length, going to figure out a way to make a seventh string attachment on the body. And then I'll have a, what was would have been a very typical yeah. guitar for that music at that time because the, the Russians would get the German guitars uh -huh. and put seven strings on them yep. all the time. Fantastic. And so, yeah, so I'm excited. That's fun. That. Have, you, have you ever played any of that stuff? Only a little bit, yeah, because like I said, I've got... wacky. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of it in B minor, let yes. me tell you. It's, it's, uh, it's like Gary likes to play Gary Boy because he can play banjo, and it's open G tuning. So it's like, oh he's gosh. more adept at reading that stuff. And, and Stanley Yates and I talk about this all the time, that open B string just completely messes with your head. Oh, yeah. It's like a B bass string. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> you know, how many times are you going to hit it the right way when you're reading? Like, Never. <laughs> Never. <laughs> so, again, we have a wealth of that music. Yeah. And uh, I, 
I will have at it yeah. when I've got more time. Very cool. Very, very cool. And well, that's mostly my, my old guitar collection at the yeah. moment. I, I, and I, I, do, you, do you have, I mean, do, where do you find them? Are you, are you scrolling eBay? Are you, do you have sources uh, in Europe that are looking, looking for these things for you? How's, oh, how's that yeah. work? Those stories are so, the, uh, the first one I ever got was one I don't have anymore. Uh, it was an 1889 uh, Cassini, Cassini, uh, Serafino Cassini of, in northern Italy, okay, uh, maybe Milan, or I can't remember exactly, but it, it was late. It was yeah. in the 1880s, and uh, it was great. I got it from Carlo Baroni okay. when I was over because you know he he had some for sale. Yeah. I was like, I got to have one. I'm, like, I'm taking this one. And so uh, then I got the uh, the the De Rose, The story is really funny because uh, my friend Larry Brown, who's been my good friend for many many years lives in Asheville. At the time, I was in Brownsville. Okay. And uh, before cell phones and before much email, I get a call from Larry Brown. Doug, Dr. Doug, this is the Larry. And uh, it, I found this guitar at a flea market. Oh, my gosh. And I love the story. It, and, and it's in pieces. And he says, oh, but I looked at all goodness. the wood and checked it out. And, and it's, it's, it's can be a really, it's great. It's going to be a great guitar. I can put it together for you. But you've got to deal with this guy that's got it, because he was Larry. You know, <laughs> a little, little particular sometimes. <laughs> this guy was, was was honestly he was a, a a very rough and tumble kind of guy. Oh my gosh! Who uh, had the parts of the guitar, and he was starting to reassemble it. And this is what freaked Larry out. Oh my! Because there was like a piece of you know like big piece of wood and yeah. a wood screw and he uh -huh. already started doing something and Larry's like his brain's exploding <laughs> you can get this from this guy I'll put it together for you so he had his contact number and I called him and, and uh, you know I went and hung out with the guy for a half hour and gave him a few hundred dollars for the, the box of pieces amazing and he was happy and I was happy and then quite some time later like half a year later Larry put it back together and it's it's gorgeous it's oh my god mother of pearl flowers and, and do you know anything about how this guy got it or what how it was he wouldn't like? say he would not say oh my gosh <laughs> amazing amazing. <laughs> oh, I, I, I can't do that but, uh, I, I won't pry <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh that's okay it's so cool let's talk about me having possession of this, you know. Oh, fantastic. So that was cool. And and the, the Stauffer, the Anton Stauffer, I got from Oleg Timofiev. Okay. Um, you know, he acquired it in yeah. this former Soviet Union somehow. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and got, I got it. And again, I had to, to de-Russify it. Okay. Because, that, I was going to ask that, yeah. Yeah, it was originally six and four. Uh -huh. Vietnamese, you know, six on the fretted fingerboard, four on, off on the second neck. Yeah. But it changed to Russian. Okay. So it was now seven on the fingerboard and three on the other neck. And it was pretty obvious the strings were so close together that that wasn't original. Right. So I had it converted back. And a lot of people had their hands on it, including Robert Ruck. Okay. The year. He put the fingerboard on it. So, man, that thing plays oh. in tune. Man. Wow. And uh, it's, it's got the pivoting neck action. Uh -huh. you know, the bolt neck. So it's really an amazing guitar. And it sounds... Uh, Unlike any other, it's yeah. again 19th century. I would want to emphasize this was things were not standardized at all, right? In the sense of you know, you got varying string lengths, various styles of construction, different tone woods, different everything was so different yeah. from one place to another. 
like today, it's kind of like, well, you know, most guitars are 650 scale yeah. length. And, you know, it, there's much more standardization. So this guitar has a much more metallic capable sound. Mm -hmm. Very small body, but it can also just ring beautiful, you know, again, vast tone palette. Yeah. And it's got it's either 22 or 24 frets. I mean, that thing oh. is all up. And uh, you can play them, and, yeah. and they all ring. And it's, so it's, it's very cool. It's a Mertz Viennese. Right, sure, sure. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that, the, those are my, and, and over there, you can, you can see. I can see all, them. <laughs> that, that, this is 1924 Hauser 1. Wow. Yeah, which is a Viennese hybrid. Yeah. A little show and tell here. It's, it's, um, my goodness. Back to the perspective, it's pretty big. Yeah. Right? Oh, but, my gosh. You know, it looks big, but and I might even... And, and where did you find that? Um, a dealer down in Asheville. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> These are pretty common. This is the, the sort of guitar Hauser one made before yeah. Yobet convinced, and Segovia convinced him to build yeah. out, uh, you know, the Taurus style. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's the, the bouts are... Almost modern size. Yeah, I think, I think Tom command. Heck had one when he lived here in Columbus that I that I saw, and it was it blew my mind. Yeah, they're not that rare, yeah. and uh, it, but it's got the floating neck, uh -huh. so screw adjustment guy there. Yeah. The, the fingerboard doesn't touch yep. the top, yep. mm -hmm. so that pivots. The scale length is only six twenty two. Wow! Even it doesn't look that it's way, right? Tiny. Yeah, yeah. Oh but it's gosh. wide. Yeah. It's wide. So this is a lot like some of Matanya's guitars. That shirt or six string that he had. Uh -huh. it's, it's wide and, and yeah. kind of thin yeah. this way. It plays really well. It's really balanced. And you just have this notes just go on forever. Nice. Oh, my. So and it's 1921? 24. 24, okay. Yeah. Yeah, 1924. Fantastic. Yeah, maple, back and sides. Yeah. top. No fan braces, short scale. Yep. Fun. Very cool. Fun, fun, fun. Yeah. And this one, this one is a Regani guitar. I mean, you can play yeah. that music. It sounds great on it. <laughs> and, and you can uh, you can reach everything at 620. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, the upper notes actually work, yeah. you know. So it's uh it's, that that was a very unexpected find. Yeah. Yeah, just kind of yeah. one of those things that arrived in my inbox, you know, dream Dream guitars of, of Weaverville, North Carolina, their <laughs> monthly inventory, and, and they, they had some guy's collection of guitars. Amazing. And he had you know, things like Thomas Humphrey and uh, 1959 Kono. Wow. And, but this was the, the gym. I spotted this when I went down there and, and uh, <laughs> you know, made an offer that I thought, you know, I was like, it was too much money, right? It, it, it kind of bad taste to talk about this, but it, it was... <laughs> The guy, I, the, he called the owner. The, 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 okay. the guy, the guitar shop, called the owner and told him, you know, I actually play these things. I think it, it would get played. And he gave him my offer, and the guy said, okay. Wow. There you and go. And then all of a sudden, I had to write a check. Maybe I should have not gone quite that high, but, you know, it, it was really a, a low ball offer, and it was a great deal. And so I'm delighted to have it. And it, it's in great shape. Yeah. You know, it, ready to go that's fun we've got we've got david Jacques coming um in April, oh. hopefully and and i'm just yeah he's been doing these shows lately i don't know if you've seen the pictures where he's yeah, yeah, must have 20 I, guitars I on stage you know how's he gonna do that he can't bring that many guitars with him or is he gonna do a virtual oh, I, I well i think i think the plan was for him to be driving 
So they're going to give him so much trouble at the border. Oh, that's true. Oh my gosh, I didn't think about that. Yeah, Uh-oh. the Canadian side will give him. That's well, true. Anyway, yeah. that's his problem, right? But, but <laughs> well, yeah. I'm just I'm just hoping that that that's what that's what we're getting because I you know it's like I love that stuff. I yeah, I bought just... I got one of the 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 anonymous miracle. I oh, okay, I got from him. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a nice guitar. Yeah, he knows what he's doing and, and he's got uh, he's getting them from somewhere. Yeah, and, uh, amazing. Yeah. Like. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. I I love that stuff. I have a little um, the name on. I bought it from Hideki Yamaya, and it's 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 uh, the name on it is Sugrabi, S S E U G R A B I, and it was it's it's from Naples. It's got an address on the on the label from Naples, and if you go like on Google Earth and look at the look at the address, it's like a garage now. <laughs> So you have a Neapolitan 19th century guitar? I do, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's of a very high quality. I, the, the, it's a, some sort of fruit wood back and sides. Um, you know, I think, I think yeah, I don't know if, the, if you could call it a tourist instrument or, but it's, it's, I don't think it's, I don't think it was like a high quality uh, concert so, instrument. So, yeah, the Neapolitans were still building in the pre-tourist style well into the 20th century. Yeah, it's, it's probably 18... 60 maybe um it's wow. it, it's got frets um what's that what kind of frets what kind of frets it, it's it's it, it's it's got metal frets uh yeah. like the you know the, the um what's the original the not not the bar frets um oh yeah the the kind that are yeah they're bar the original most of those guitars would have had the frets that don't have a tang right yeah it's not a fret it's a bar mm-hmm. fret yeah so it has those frets yep yeah and it's a, a it it uh, friction peg uh, yeah, and, and that kind of well, stuff. You know, fruit, fruit doesn't necessarily mean it's low quality. Yeah. If that's the, it, it, for example, Pasquale's Miracle guitar is, is cherry. Okay. And it sounds great. Yeah. I mean, you've heard it. Yeah. You know, right. Yeah, I mean, it sounds fine. Uh, they they used woods that they had. Right, you know, sure. So lots of, uh, cherry and maple. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, there was a period where rosewood was flowing in. Yeah. It was inexpensive. And so you, that's when you start seeing uh, Brazilian rosewood. Okay. Wow. And French guitar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, French guitars with Brazilian rosewood because that stuff was coming over from, from the New World. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun, though. It's, it's, it's very short. I think it's 610. Um, really? Yeah. Wow. But it's, it's, it, I love playing. It's so much fun. You know, it's, it, and it's, it's some, the, I had, I had uh, somebody working on it recently. And he speculates that the that the fan bracing in it is not original, and I would think so. I would think it's not original yeah. because you know, if it's got fans, they didn't use them yet. Yeah, they, they, he, they, he said from looking inside it, it didn't look like the, the the wood that's used for the bracing, the fan bracing, doesn't look the same as the the rest of the wood on the inside, which wow, would make I, sense because the top seems really heavy. And so oh, I think I think I'm going to have him pop those off of there and see if it lightens the top up a little bit and you know gives it gives it a little bit more voice. But it's just it's delightful to play, you know. And, and I just think, you know, like like you said, you know, the 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 music that that uh, was written when people were playing guitars like that, it it makes a little bit more sense sometimes. I think you know. And uh, oh yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, there's there's something that that's going on there for sure. But uh, yeah, very very cool. Yeah, that's cool. Well, it, it, you know, when you come down in uh, April, it, 
strap it on your back when you get on your motorcycle. There we go. <laughs> I've actually, not with that guitar, but I have done that before. I like, you know, I don't know if, if, if I feel cool or really, really stupid doing that. <laughs> it's one or the other. There's no in-between. It's either this is the but coolest thing ever. you're riding a motorcycle, you know, so it's right. like you're already in that territory, right? <laughs> true. Like, you know, this is also very true. <laughs> Big fun, but big risk. You know, wait, what as they say, uh, low probability, high consequence. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that, right. You know, <laughs> Just don't tell like me. Nuclear reactors, right? Like, <laughs> low probability, high consequence. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I'll, I'll have to schedule a, um, a parachuting trip while I'm there as well, just to make sure that I get all of the high risk behaviors in one day. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that too. Yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, what, uh, what's the, what are they, they, they hanging on a kite? Oh, um, the, the hang gliding, yeah. Thank you, yes, yeah. hang gliding. We have that too. Go up to Grandfather Mountain, mile high. And this this sounds, it sounds like the perfect trip. Might <laughs> <laughs> never go back. <laughs> Well, Doug, it's 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 been great talking to you. Is there anything else that we should uh, we should? Oh, I don't cover? think so. Yeah. <laughs> You've had enough. <laughs> Covered all the legal legal uh, <laughs> items, but yeah, no, it's, it's been great fun. Time has flown here. Yeah, it, it it does. It's amazing. So I'm I'm really looking forward to the to the trip in the spring and and keeping my fingers crossed that uh, we all stay healthy and and are able to do things like that again. Yeah. <laughs> So, and it'll be it'll be great to see you. It'll be great to see Pasquale and see all the music. Oh, it'll be a party. Yeah. It will be a party. Everybody will be so glad to be able to do it again yeah. in person. It's very exciting. And, uh, yeah, and, and you, I don't know if you know you you don't probably know Adam and uh, Alan Mearns. I I, I I know Adam a little tiny tiny bit. Um, What's that? You know, Matt, I, I might have forgotten to mention Matt Palmer. I don't know Matt, but I, I, I obviously wow. know who he is, yeah. <laughs> where, where is he now? Is he in D.C.? Yeah, he's in D.C. Okay. Mm -hmm. What's Adam, he? he's, oh, he's teaching, uh, the, he's teaching, he was teaching at George Washington okay. University. He actually is now in the Loudoun County School System. He's doing that, okay. Yeah. He took, those gigs are golden. Oh, yeah, yeah those they are. are they're they're wonderful, wonderful jobs, yeah. and it, it, they're man. I mean, that's the future. Yeah. But he took one, and and so now those kids are going to have Matt Palmer for ninety minutes a day in their guitar class. Yeah. Wow! Look what? out, Loudoun County. Oh, I know. It's like you know, uh, yeah, that's a whole other subject that you know. I guess we're out of time for. But yeah, I, yeah I'm very excited for him and for those kids. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's cool. I'll be up there in March okay. for a little while doing some stuff with those schools because, again, so many of my alumni are up there. Yeah. At, uh, got him Hart Wells. Adam Kossler was there for yep. nine years before he went down to Stetson. Uh, I know Miro Lonchar really well. Oh, yeah. Okay. So family's teaching for them now. Uh, uh, Miro, Natasha, and Alma, Alma, Maya. Maya. Huh. So wow. Mom, dad, and daughter all teaching in the guitar in the Loudoun County school system. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I really, really appreciate it, Doug, and I'll I'll, I'll be great in touch. And uh, we'll we'll have to do it again too, because I think I think I think we, we have other things that we can talk about. <laughs> yeah, we haven't covered it all, have we? <laughs> okay, it's great to see you, Carl. Thanks so much. Yeah. Look forward to seeing you in person before long. Yeah, thank you. 
This is Carl Woolwind of Columbus Classical Guitar. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Guitar on My Knee podcast. For more information and past episodes, please visit columbusclassicalguitar.com or Carl Woolwind Guitarist on Facebook. <laughs>